Macworld Podcast number 126, the iPhone 3G edition for July 14th, 2008. Sponsored by MYOB, small business accounting and point of sale software. Helping you to mind your own business. Smarter. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. As I said, this is the iPhone 3G edition, and because you want to know all there is to know about Apple's latest iPhone, I'm going to get out of the way and allow Macworld's Phil Michaels, Jason Snell, Dan Morin, and John Seff to fill you in on everything iPhone. Take it away, Phil. An eventful weekend for Apple this past weekend as it rolled out uh, both the iPhone 3G software and the iPhone 2.0 update. We have three gentlemen with us who have the new phone and have been using it all weekend long. Editorial Director Jason Snell. Hello. Senior News Editor Jonathan Seff. Hello. And Associate Editor Dan Morin joining us from a uh, raft off the Atlantic coast, I believe. <laughs> Howdy, Phil. Aren't you in uh, Kazakhstan? It's an undisclosed location. All right. And uh, I'm, of course, Philip Michaels, the uh, executive editor of Macworld.com, and the only person whose voice you'll be hearing today who does not have an iPhone 3G. I guess my Motorola Razor is is just fine. But um, now talk to me, guys. How is the how is the new iPhone? What are your first impressions after a weekend of using it? Since uh, Jason has already weighed in with a three-page review at Macworld.com, I'm going to uh, first throw that question to Dan Morin. Uh, well, my experience overall has just been that it's it's a lot like the original iPhone, but in, in many ways just even a little bit better. I was surprised. I mean, obviously, it's very, very similar to the original phone. Most of the differences come in the software side. So if you had a chance to use an original iPhone with the 2.0 software, you're not going to notice a lot of difference. Uh, That said, I I have had a lot of fun continually locating myself with the Maps application and the GPS built in. Uh, And the the network, uh, 3G networking, does seem to be a bit faster for me. Uh, But all the little things... uh, it's the little things that really make it stand apart. For example, you know, the first thing I did when getting my phone was plug my own Sennheiser uh, headphones into the non-recessed headphone jack. Haha, the power. I, I, I felt liberated. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be that exciting, but it, it is. Shouldn't, but it shouldn't, but it is. Uh, that and what was the other? Oh, yes, the thing is I noticed when I plugged it into uh, my tape adapter in my car was no more uh, GSM buzz over my car stereo. So I can actually use it in my car. Yes, until you leave the 3G coverage. Until I, yeah, I found that up the hard way by having the stereo cranked a little high, and then all of a sudden you go out of 3G coverage, and it's... <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. So that's uh, Dan's first impressions. John, what about you? What were uh, some of the things you've noticed with the iPhone 3G? Well, one thing I noticed was that uh, people were very excited to see it this weekend. Uh, I, you know, I waited in line Friday morning for... Four hours to get my phone, and then I was at a wedding on Saturday. And when the uh, idea of what I did for a living came up, people were asking me about the iPhone, so I took it out of my tux pocket. And people were really excited, even though it doesn't look that different. As, as you know, if you read Jason's review, you'll see there's some little minor physical differences to it, but that um, it, it doesn't look all that different, but people were really excited to see it. So I think it's a testament to how Apple has done a very good job of make, making people want this because, you know, Phil, no one's going to wait in line to get the next version of your Razor phone. So uh, I think I think that shows something. I find that a very hurtful comment. <laughs> I know. I'm fired after this. But um, in, until then, I'll, I'll continue talking. Um, if but, you keep it up, you might be fired during this. <laughs> oh, cool. But but um, in terms of the actual phone, yeah, I, I agree with Dan on what what is cool, and also the fact that I had upgraded my phone before that to the 2.0 software, so it's a very similar experience using both of those phones. I just happen to uh, enjoy the 3G speeds for sure, and uh, the location stuff w- was neat too. Watching the little blue dot while I was walking down the street from the office to my car, I could actually see myself sort of tracking down the street just on foot. It, it, it would have been exactly like you if, if you were a giant um, blue dot with like a 10-foot circumference. Well, for all the people listening to this, they don't really know that I'm not a blue dot. <laughs> so. Playing the part of a blue dot today is Jonathan Seth. Now, now Jason, after writing 4,000 words about the iPhone 3G, is there anything left for you to say about it? Um, fire bad, tree pretty. Mm. iPhone good? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, John and, uh, and Dan have, have said uh, very much uh, similar things to what I would say. It's very much like the old phone and the fact that everybody is excited about it. I mean, there are two things happening with those long lines outside the stores. One is that there are some problems with uh, the way that this was all set up, and we'll get to that. I'm oh, sure. believe you me, we have some questions about <laughs> but, that. Um, also, I think there, that there's this demand, and some of it is that the iPhone hasn't been available in a little while. Some of it is that there has been hype about this new version that has made people realize they want to go get it, and I think some of it is that. Some people really strongly believe that you never buy the first version of anything and those people have been hanging back for a year and I think that after a year of watching the iPhone out there in the wild, they are all desperately ready to uh, get going with uh, with an iPhone of their own and, and so now here they are. Let's talk about some of the features uh, starting of course with the, uh, the 3G since that's right there in the title. Um, is it noticeable using the 3G speeds? Uh, do you do you, you've all used uh, an original iPhone in the, the the Edge network? Is the 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 speed of of connecting on web pages that much more noticeable? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. It's uh, Edge is painful. I, in fact, once you go on 3G, I have to say, if you're somebody who's got the original iPhone, I, I said this in my review that. Um, the uh, There aren't that many changes and you can get the 2.0 software and that will get you most of the way there and it's great. But what I will say is if you've got that original iPhone, don't try out an iPhone 3G on a 3G network because once you've experienced that and then you're back in your, uh, on your phone on edge, it will seem even slower than it did before because I was using my original iPhone on the bus this morning coming to work and it was painful how slow it was and I kept wanting to reach down and pull out the uh, iPhone 3G instead. It, it sounds like the the early days of uh, high-speed internet connections when pe- when modems were still the prevalent way of, of getting online for a lot of people and they – and and you would use the high speed and, and go back to the modem and it would be even slower. I don't know if I'm the lone dissenter here or if I'm just totally have a short memory, but I guess I feel like I don't notice as much of a difference. But it may just be that a lot of times when I'm using the phone, I'm on Wi-Fi or it's unless I have them side by side. I always felt Edge got, Edge got a bad rap. I mean, yeah, it's kind of slow, but it wasn't that bad, I think right? The, I think some of the apps um, especially don't like Edge. They're pulling down so much data that they just stall out on edge. They, they bog down to nothing. I think that you see it in the newer apps, all of which were written you – know, all of those apps were written on, um, on uh, Macs where you could run it in the simulator and you had a broadband network essentially to test it on. And then they were tested – probably a lot of them were tested on Wi-Fi. Um, and the one case where you, you, where you wouldn't see that is on edge. And um, I was using the New York Times app this morning, and it, it just it wants to sync so much data that it, it just completely loses itself. But you're right on, on Wi-Fi. You know, the the 3G experience is much more like a Wi-Fi experience. It's not quite Wi-Fi, but it's close. Perhaps Dan, it's your laid-back New England lifestyle. You're sort of like the the Pepperidge Farm guy, and you want to take life easy, and you I don't understand why people are rushing around to load web pages on their phone. Well, uh, that's true. On the one hand, on the other hand, I don't live in like you know iPhone capital of the world, which I'm guessing is probably the Bay Area. So maybe there's just fewer people here bogging down our network. I find that hard to believe. It's not a big college town. As well, I mean, I think there will be a, an interesting test when uh, when next Macworld rolls around, and you have you know again several thousand people in the same one square mile. Now we can uh, destroy the three G network instead of the Edge network. Well, yeah, I, I, I can tell you, Dan, that while I was waiting in line to buy the new iPhone, I was on my old iPhone, uh, you know, snapping pictures and and doing email and stuff back to the office, and. Just the number of people in line was bogging down the edge network <laughs> there, and I was losing uh, connection, not able to get mail and everything. So uh, I, I definitely saw that uh, that problem there. So the 3G network is is a nice thing, and I always had trouble with um, not with mail with email over edge. It was okay, but with um, with a website, you know, waiting a minute or a minute and a half to load a web page, it's just not cool. <laughs> That's hard to argue with that. And uh, if you're looking for some test results, Jason uh, did some 3G testing, which we posted both in the review and in his reviewer's notebook that 
one up at Macworld.com over the weekend. Let's talk about the other uh, big feature in the iPhone 3G itself, which is the GPS uh, capabilities. And we, we sort of touched on that earlier, the giant blue dot that represents you on the Maps application. Pul- pulsating the blue pulsating dot. The pulsating blue dot that follows, like you at, sonar. follows you as you move, very Homeland Security-like. Uh, you guys have had a chance to test out the GPS features. Uh, are they useful? Is there anything lacking? Is there are there there features that Apple or some third party vendor needs to fill in with GPS? Thank you for setting us up, Phil. Mm, that's why I'm here. Are they useful? You know, I my, my experience, which I, I think I have detailed in my story, was that I, I started uh, using it at the bus stop, and I, I was on the bus. Um, and you know the bus, you don't really have a great view of the sky. And then we were going through the financial district in San Francisco, and it wasn't. It wasn't great. It was not a great experience. The dot, the way it works is there's the blue dot and then there's this sort of blue shade around it that's like the zone of unknown inaccuracy, which is like you could be really anywhere in this area. And it was behind, so we were crossing over streets, but the blue dot was way behind me and it was not a great experience. We we should also point out that you have a GPS device. at home. Well, I tested a bunch yeah. of different GPS devices. Right. I actually, since I've got the iPhone, I, I find myself using in-car GPS um, a lot less because I can just bring up Google Maps, and most of the time that does the job. Um, anyway, in the, on the presumably bus, though, you have someone who's holding your phone and navigating for you while you're driving. Yeah, yes, or I'm doing the navigating while someone else is driving. Right. Exactly. Um, Otherwise, I would would crash and my car would explode like any car that gets in a wreck on an episode of Chips. Um, just to throw in the Chips reference for those who are old. Um, <laughs> the uh, the so anyway, once we got out in the open and and you could actually see the sky. Um, the GPS on the iPhone for me got a lot more accurate. And then when I got out and I was walking around, which I, you know, I admit is not like I think what it's designed for, it was incredibly accurate to the point of what side of the street I was on. I could actually pick it out at that level of accuracy. So I was pretty impressed. I think that um, you know, GPS itself, if you get in places where the sky is kind of obscured a little bit, it doesn't work very well. At least the iPhone has the cell towers and stuff to fall back on. But I was pretty impressed. I thought it did a pretty good job. Dan? Yeah, I had a similar uh, experience with it. I, I tried it out while I was uh, in a car and found that it, it, tracked, it tracked my path pretty much perfectly. I mean, I don't know if that's just where I am in terms of being – I was out in the suburbs, Boston. Uh, but it, it worked great and I even found that, uh, as I point out in my uh, lengthy iPhone 2.0 review to come, that uh, it, it works – the track the, the tracking element of it works even if you don't have a 3G with the GPS built in. It will actually – you use the Wi-Fi location and sort of plot your course. It's less frequent and far less precise than the GPS, but it does still continue sort of to follow you, and the map continues to update as you go. Uh, but in that, you know, other than that, I found that the uh, you know it works great unless you're really in the middle of some big building or something where it's not very convenient. But I've been able to do it just standing by my window in my house. Yeah, I'm at my house. Um, <laughs> Woohoo! You would never but, have known without the iPhone to tell you where you were. Well, yeah, it does. It made it a little worrisome, though. I mean, all this, all this location-based service. I was talking to John earlier because I was taking a screenshot for uh, for one of our pieces, and I was like, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about taking a screenshot of my house with the GPS app and putting that in the magazine. Maybe I'll go somewhere else. Walk to an undisclosed location. Exactly. Yes, we don't want to tell Kyrgyzstan. Them. We don't want to tell the Russians where to target their missiles. So, what uh, needs to be added to the GPS functionality, whether it be through a future Apple update or through a third-party application that would uh, that would really uh, uh, sell that feature. I'll throw one out here. I mean, there are a couple I know that some of the other guys mentioned, but one that uh, I talked to a cousin of mine over the weekend who was in town, and he is big on this uh, kind of pseudo sport called geocaching that you may have heard of, which basically involves using a GPS device to locate little caches, little. Uh, Sort of, sort of like a scavenger hunt. Like right. these, these caches are hidden in various places, and you can use a GPS device to go and find them. And then it's this, this community-based sport. There's no. You could sort of use the Google Maps application to to sort of fake it, but it would be really cool to see a third-party application that is specifically designed for that. And I think that would be something. He was very excited about the iPhone, but he was like, "Oh yeah, if I could do my geocaching stuff on there, that would definitely sort of push me over the edge." Well, and I, I think that when most people think of GPS, they think of 
either a car-based system or a handheld GPS receiver whose real sole, sole purpose is to provide driving directions for getting from point to point. And as we know, that is not so much the case with the iPhone right now because it can't it doesn't have map data loaded on it like these thing, these other devices do, and it can't tell you when to turn. Um, so it's great, as Jason was saying, you know, if he's navigating and someone else is driving or, or the other way around, it's great because someone could tell you turn-by-turn directions using Google Maps. But if you're driving by yourself, you can't really be doing that. And Well, and if you make a wrong turn, um, what happens with the way Google Maps behaves very much like it used to, which is you say start from my current location to my destination and it plots a course and then the blue dot follows you along. But if you go off course, it doesn't reroute you. You, you don't get that uh, that lovely voice that says uh, – Turn around. Or, or, yeah, recalculating. Recalculating. Yes. So that voice always sounds so disappointed in you mm-hmm. when you, when you <laughs> yeah. your I, turn. I yell at it sometimes. No, I'm going a better way. Shut up, you. But um, it, you know, there's talk that there are third parties who are going to make apps that um, have turn by turn capability and bundled maps. Because the thing that I keep hammering on is uh, Google Maps comes over your data connection, and if you're out in the middle of nowhere where there's no data connection, you can have a great GPS signal. But you won't have any map to put it on because you you can't download the maps from Google if you're out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm right here. I just have right. no idea where that is. I'm at the blue dot in the grid of empty space. It doesn't doesn't help. They'll help help them find you uh, dead by the side <laughs> of the road. Oh, yes. my God. The Thanks. iPhone the iPhone can uh, lead us a second life as emergency locator beacon. Exactly. So so let's hope that somebody figures out how to do that. I, I think the GPS is good enough. It might not be as fantastic and precise as a dedicated uh, a dedicated car GPS, but it might be um, good enough with an app with loadable maps to to give you you know basic navigation to your destination. So let's set aside the iPhone 3G for a moment and talk about the iPhone 2.0 update, which anyone with an iPhone can enjoy, uh, whether you buy it with the 3G, it comes pre-installed, or whether you download it to your existing iPhone. Or an iPod Touch if or, you've got uh, – If you've $10. got $10. Who's on the, who's on the $10 bill? Alexander Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton. Uh, if you've got Alexander Hamilton, if he's your friend, you can trade him for the iPod Touch software update. Or a dueling a, pair of Lincolns. Yes. And a – player to be named later. Mm. And a bag of balls and a stick of gum. So the iPhone 2.0 update. Yes. Uh, what are the significant additions there? What are the features that really uh, stood out for you as you were uh, putting it through its paces this week? And let's, uh, let's start in reverse order this time and have uh, Jason <laughs> All right. I was going to sleep there because Dan has written our tome about iPhone 2.0. Well, I'll start with the obvious, which is the App Store. The biggest thing that the 2.0 software adds is a, a big door that's been opened that third-party developers can walk through with their own pieces of software. And we've seen a lot of software. There were 525, I think, uh, on day one. There are more now and more coming every day. Many of them are bad. <laughs> Uh, many of them are mediocre. Some of them are brilliant. Um, but it certainly makes the iPhone way, way more useful because you can download these apps that do very specific things, some of which um, are things that Apple should have added to the phone and others of which are just kind of crazy ideas. But that's the, for me, that's the biggest thing in iPhone 2.0. It certainly seems um – from from my perspective as someone kind of on the outside looking in at all this iPhone business, that that's the thing that really has people excited, the addition of uh, of software apps more than any other uh, feature, be it in the, the 3G hardware or be it in the, the 2.0 software update. I think that's true. I, I think that it's the most exciting thing and it it's great that it impacts people who've got the original iPhone and uh, people who've got the iPod Touch too. Well, John, now that uh, Jason has taken the most exciting feature, what less exciting feature excites you? All right. Well, I'm going to go kind of dorky here and say that uh, the ability to do um, bulk email deletion is actually one of my favorite features of the new software because when you're using your iPhone as your only internet connection for a week on vacation, say, like I was a couple weeks ago, having to go through every morning and delete several hundred you know spam messages by hand where each one of them is is you know delete yes delete yes delete yes um, I found that the uh, the ability to mark a number of different email messages to either delete or to file away you know some people actually like to do that instead of just deleting all their messages 
But that's really one of my favorite features. Now, Dan, are you the least bit familiar with iPhone 2.0? Have you spent <laughs> I, any time using it? I vaguely heard of it. I think we came out for what one point five nine something nine. like that. Yeah. Well, what 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 features um, caught yeah, thanks your guys. eye? Thanks, guys, for taking the best features in the new phone update. Well, I did. Uh, John took, you know, the bulk delete, which is a good feature. But it's a good feature. There are better other features than that. I, I would throw out that for me, it's the support, and this kind of ties in with another one of Apple's product announcements from Friday, which is the uh, the push email contacts calendar support that you can get through either Exchange or through Mobile Me, which is terribly, terribly fun, but very subtle. I mean, I had a, a lot of fun for some reason. I don't know why, because I'm easily amused. Uh, I spent a while assigning new pictures to some of my contacts and seeing it automatically update on my Mac or vice versa, changing some you know phone numbers just for just for kicks. Um, I, I really just love the idea that this 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 device is now seamlessly integrated with all the information on my computer, so I don't have to worry about oh, did I remember to plug in my iPhone to my computer? Because I never do that. I always used to forget with my, my old iPhone. I would just plug it into the adapter to charge at night. And so now that I don't have to worry about that for the kind of information that I'm constantly updating and that it's really important that I have updated on my phone, uh, it's just it's one load off my mind, one less thing I have to think about. I agree with you, but it would also be nice if it didn't cost $100 a year to get that functionality. Well, as an existing .Mac subscriber, honestly, I, you know, I was already paying that price, so I consider this just a bonus. <laughs> well put. Yeah, it, it is. I, I had a similar thing where I, I, John was looking at an email that he sent to me, and it was this picture of John from like 2002 or something. And he says, I look nothing like that. I have a beard and my hair is long and stringy and strange. And, and I said, well, let me take your picture. And I took a picture with the iPhone. And then not you know, 20 minutes later, he sent me an email and it pops up and it's that picture. Um, that I had just taken on my phone and it's on my Mac, um, and and that was that was kind of amazing and it, and it's just it's all that syncing. So I feel as somebody who also has been paying a hundred dollars a year for Dot Mac that um, now I feel like I'm actually going to be getting my money's worth out of that feature. It is it is a hundred dollars a year for people who don't have Exchange, but um, I, I think there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that. I, I, I'm even without the kind of web app stuff that's in Mobile Me. Um, if they can get the syncing to work reliably across all these devices, that's going to be a big deal, and I think that might be worth a hundred dollars a year. Dovetailing away from from iPhone two point for a while, it, it, for just a little bit here, it does seem like with Mobile Me and the the move towards push contacts, push mail, and what have you, that Apple finally seems to have settled on the right approach for its online service. It always seemed like the the focus of uh, of dot Mac and iTools before it was shifting. That first it's just this collection of internet tools and then it's storage and then it's tied heavily into iLife. But now it seems like they they finally have uh, uh, settled on something that I think the vast majority of people will find useful. They've managed to unify it finally, I feel like. It really does. When you log into the me.com interface on the web, everything seems very very like it's like accessing an online suite of tools like like google's been doing successfully for a while uh and i think the problem with the with the uh, dot mac before that was that it really it tried to be all these different things to all these different people it wanted to be Flickr. it wanted to be you know amazon s3 it wanted to be gmail like and you know it, it couldn't do all of those things successfully so they've sort of consolidated it back down to here are the core features that, that we are offering, and I think that it's really going to benefit from those core features being implemented and implemented well. Now, if only they'd sync notes. Okay, not all the features, but you know, most of the features. <laughs> well, you've got to you start know, I, somewhere. you got to start somewhere. I, I had to point out to John this morning my favorite new Apple uh, troubleshooting document, which is uh, I noticed that because uh, as I – May have complained to you guys on uh, when I updated my original phone on Thursday. For some reason, it broke the mail application on the phone. I think we uh, heard a little bit about that from you. Yeah, but a little bit. Me, but so I couldn't email. get on. I couldn't get my mail um, on my dot Mac mail. And when I try, since they were transitioning over to me dot com, I was figured, oh, I could just use the webmail interface. No, you can't use any of the web interfaces for me dot com on your iPhone. <laughs> And there's, in fact, an Apple knowledge base document that says, you know, symptoms, cannot access me.com services from iPhone. Resolution, this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> don't use iPhone. Yes. <laughs> it hurts, doctor, it hurts that. when I do this. Well, don't do that. 
Yeah. Um, let's let's head back to iPhone 2.0, and we talked about the features that we liked. What about the features that aren't there that should be there that are that are very obviously missing? Uh, John, do you have any? I'm sure there's lots of them, but right now my brain is just uh, drawing a blank. Bluetooth. Oh no, is that is that not a 2.0 feature? Maybe it is. Copy and paste. Know. Copy and paste is great. I mean, it does Bluetooth. It just doesn't do most Bluetooth things. Copy and paste. Doesn't... Cut, copy and paste was there day one. We wanted it, and it's still not there. And you know, cut, copy and paste is a computer metaphor, and maybe there's a different phone metaphor for that. But the fact that if somebody emails you the address that they want to meet you at, you have no way to transfer that over into uh, Maps. You can't do it. You have to write it down on a piece of paper or remember it in your in your sieve-like brain and then switch over to maps and try to hopefully type it in and get – and it's ridiculous. There should be some way of saying take this and then put it over there and it's still not there. Well, what, Apple's, what Apple's tried to do is set up all these little hooks. So they, they tried to think of like you know the most common use cases and saying, OK, you, know, you want to email a photo or you want to send a link to this website. Uh, and they've they've come up with the hooks between the applications for doing that, except it only covers like there's no you know methodology for taking any sort of arbitrary piece of information that you might want to move to another application and doing so. So you know someone sends me an IM message with a link in it, I can't cop I can't do anything with that. It's totally useless to me. Right, right, because the click the AIM client uh, doesn't have clickable links, which I hear is hard to do. Twitterific has it, but the AIM client doesn't yet have it. Um, and so, so, yeah, there's nothing you can do with it. So uh, Jason uh, touched on copy and paste. Dan, is there anything you find missing from iPhone 2.0? Um, well, there are there are a lot of little things here and there that are just like strange. You kind of wonder, why didn't they do that? Like I know John has had a, uh, a gripe for a while that you can't tap uh, event locations in the calendar app and get a map, which is just seems weird. Like why not put that in there? Or that you can't uh, – there, there are just all these little like tiny little the hooks that you're like, well, why does that work that way? There's hey. no unified inbox in the mail application. I've got There's one, no Dan, that you and, I, you and I found, which is um, the exchange feature lets you receive a, an event invitation on exchange right. and add it to your calendar and accept it. Um, but not – iCal. Not iCal. If somebody sends you an iCal invitation, you can't tap on that and add it to your calendar, which makes absolutely no sense. Well, Apple doesn't really know how to use iCal. It's somebody <laughs> else's technology. Oh, oh wait, God. No. Yeah, and, and yeah, there are a lot, there are a lot of the, these little things. And some of it, I, they must have just prioritized them out of existence and said, eh, well, yeah, but we're too busy with this other stuff. And, and you know, as we've, we've all talked about it, you know, some of these things are – Clear, you know, there's purely software issues, and the things that can be addressed either by Apple in the future or by a third party, um, even if they shouldn't need to, it can be. But then right. there's some hardware limitations that uh, are, are not really accessible, you know, to other people, and things that are not going to get fixed in software. We've talked about these things before, like the camera is still the same camera, still not a very good camera, um, you know. Two megapixel, the, the number doesn't really mean anything. That's enough megapixels to take a decent image, but the camera's not very good. It's not good in low light. There's no flash. There's, there's no, no flash. Zoom. There's no zoom. There's no focus. And there's, you can't and record video. You can't do video. Um, and as you mentioned, I think Jason mentioned the Bluetooth thing. You know, you can't do uh, stereo Bluetooth, so you can't have a, a, a wireless headset that lets you listen to your music and talk uh, on the phone and all that stuff because it doesn't support that. Um, so there's some hardware limitations that that are not going to be able to be addressed until the iPhone 4G or or whatever the next one's called, perhaps. <laughs> but some of these software things can be addressed, right. and some, we hope some, they will be. Some by third parties, some not. I mean, a lot of people hold out this third party thing and say, "Oh, like the voice dialing app that's out there now." Hooray! Yeah. Voice dialing has solved a problem, except it it, it really didn't solve it because it needs to come from Apple. It needs to be integrated for now, it to really now, work. Now, to me, the the, the, the razor toting guy that that to me is just a glaring omission. The the lack of voice dialing or the lack of uh, some voice activation features. Yeah, you should be able to press the button on your iPod headset or your Bluetooth headset and say, "Dial John Seth," and have the iPhone go, "Oh right, John Seth," and dial. 
Right. But instead, I mean, thir- and a third party, there is this third party dialer out there that you can, you have to launch the app, hold down the button until it turns blue. Again, you know, at this point, you're off the road and going down the hillside. To insist the cat is driving your car at this point. Yes. Then you can say, dial John Full Seth. of the old references and, and today. And thank you for those who are old. Old reference lost on younger viewers, <laughs> which is itself an old reference lost on un- younger viewers. Anyway, um, so then it brings up John Seth's number, but then you have to press it to dial it. At which point you're in the bay. Right. You're sinking beneath the sea. Right. So, but but if Apple did it, it would just be you know it would be there when you pressed a button. And and third That's parties just can't control that. They, they as try as they might, that is in Apple's court right there. And, and it's a phone without buttons. It's a buttonless right. You can't phone. do it by feel. On yeah. my old Trio, I could hold down a certain button and I knew that it would call my wife. And you know there are no buttons and that's fine. But then what do I do? I can't do it by feel. I have to do it by voice. What's always surprised me about this is the fact that, I mean, you know, of course, the iPhone is based on a lot of the same technologies that go into OS X, basically. Uh, and there's been voice recognition in the Mac OS for years. years. Like, they've voice commands. Like, you'd think they'd be able to adapt some of that to work, you know, for this specific use case. Like, you don't need Especially to necessarily navigate the whole phone that way, but... If, if you've got this limited dictionary, which is essentially the names in your contact list, it shouldn't be – I mean it's easy for us to say, but a lot of phones with a fraction of the processing power of the iPhone can do voice dial. So why can't the iPhone do it? And cut, copy, paste, it's the same way. There's no third party that's going to give you a solution there. Apple needs to make it happen. Well, hopefully some Apple executives will rack up a lot of tickets under California's new hands-free <laughs> law. And uh, after paying a bunch of $20, $25 fines, they'll uh, be sufficiently motivated to add that capability. Sadly, in California, it is not against the law to look down at the device and dial which is funny. It's only to talk with it held against your head. So technically, you don't need a voice dial. But since everybody's going to be getting headsets, it would probably be a good idea to have voice dial too. Or, or, or Apple will lose a lot of future customers because they'll be dead <laughs> by the side of the road. Well, Apple will have to provide everybody with someone to ride next to you in your car and dial your phone for you. We'll be back with the boys after this word from our sponsor, MYOB. Are you a small business owner looking for an easy-to-set-up point-of-sale solution? Look no further. New from MYOB, the company who brings you award-winning account-edge accounting software is Checkout, a point-of-sale system only for the Mac. Created with the realities of retail in mind, Checkout provides an easy-to-learn, efficient, and reliable way to make sales and manage your store. Get up and running in 15 minutes and start spending more time with your customers. Learn more at www.myob.com. And now back to the boys and the iPhone 3G. While we're being uncharitable toward Apple, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about Friday's launch. Um, <laughs> or, or, or as we call it, the longest day. The, uh, the, uh, John, you waited in line for three and a half hours, four hours? Uh, four hours from when I got in line until when I walked out with my phone. Admittedly, the first half hour of that was before the store opened, so about three hours from store opening until I got into the particular Apple store that I was waiting for, yeah. And Dan, what about you? I was there for six hours. (laughs) Was it an Apple store? Uh, Yes, it was. The Chestnut Hill Apple store in Newton, Massachusetts, my hometown. Uh, Yes, I was there for six hours. I was outside probably for about the first hour. Then I got into the mall. Then I got inched slowly closer to the Apple Store over the next five hours. By the way, did you ever buy a Newton in iPhone, Massachusetts? You know, just one time, but I promised I wouldn't talk about it. Uh, (laughs) And and the air goes out of the podcast. Another old reference. I'm I'm just trying to spice up the podcast with things that are completely irrelevant. I've been working very hard the last few days. My brain has exploded all over this microphone. Next time, Um, could you say it in old man voice? (laughs) That's right. No, six hours in the iPhone line. That's outrageous. I waited in the Newton line for 12 hours. (laughs) And he, he picked up a British accent there at the end too because he's that old. <laughs> we, we should also note that when John says that he walked out with an iPhone after four hours, you did not walk out with a working iPhone, did you? No, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I went through the process of you know picking out the phone I wanted, and I was an existing iPhone customer, so AT and T already has you know the name of my unborn child to come in whatever year that's going to happen, and my you know my parents usually they just use mother's maiden name that, that well, they're really uh, well, they, they got a lot of they got a lot of info on them. me. I've been with them for a long time, so they didn't need any specific stuff from me. I just said you know I wanted this this plan and this and that, and after some. Uh, Go between with uh, an AT and T rep on the phone who uh, was insisting I had some weird plan on my line that I didn't. They eventually, um, you know, activated my new plan, but then they tried to f- actually activate the phone by connecting it to iTunes, and that's when the, the the fun began because there were many many people in the store with iPhones connected to iTunes to try to activate, and none of them would work because the system was just a tad overloaded, and I think it's sort of telling that while Dad. I think it's a little. It's telling that while I was in there, I heard Apple Store employees sort of bragging about how many activations they had gotten throughout the day. And mind you, this was about eleven thirty in the morning, so the store had been open for three and a half hours. And one Apple Store employee was really excited because he just had his seventh activation in three and a half hours. So I brought my phone home and as they told me to, they said you'll have better luck if you go home and do it elsewhere. So I, I ended up activating my phone at home. What happened to you, Dan? Did, was yours well, uh, active? Don, you, sh- you should have waited a couple more hours because it worked great for me actually. That was the, the best part of the entire experience for some reason was once I got into the store and I, they shuffled me around through these various little queues. But like once I actually started talking to an Apple store, you know, guy came like, oh, yeah. How can I help you? Uh, from there to activation took under 10 minutes. Like the guy, you know, rang me up. He actually said to me, you have been my easiest customer all day. And then I asked him for a paper receipt so I could uh, send you guys an expense report. And he's huh. like, ah, oh, you just lost your title as easiest customer. <laughs> but the uh, the amount, of, it literally only took about less than a, like a minute to activate the phone on iTunes. I was standing there with the specialist who was helping me and I when I talked briefly to this other guy, uh, Apple Store employee who had been talking to me while we were in line and I looked back over and the guy's like, oh, you're ready to go. I'm like, are you serious? Really? I mean, we've only been here like a minute. He's like, yep, you're all set. Walked out of there with a completely functional phone. And you were in line how long? Six hours. Six <laughs> hours and then like one minute. Yeah. Six like, hours of yeah. waiting for one minute of excitement. It really, it's like a Major League <laughs> Baseball doubleheader, <laughs> ah, but we kid Major League Baseball. So, so in the immortal words of uh, Fred L- Willard from A Mighty Wind, what happened? What? What? what <laughs> wow. What, what? Yeah, thank you. Slightly less old reference. What? What went no, wrong on Friday? Why? Why did we have these kinds of problems? I blame AT and T. <laughs> They're an easy target. Sure, sure it's AT and T's global iTunes servers. Oh wait, hmm. AT and T would disagree with you because they've no, uh, they've been quite adamant in the paper as to who's to blame. Well, for and and we know actually by the laws of uh, deduction, mm-hmm. as I learned from tabletop games of Mastermind when I was nine, <laughs> that uh, they had these exact same problems in London and the rest yeah. of the UK with O2. So let's see. What do we have in common between the problems in the UK and the problems here? Well, Is it the each- cell provider? No, no, because it's AT&T and it's O2. Uh, who makes a phone in both those countries? Oh, it's Apple. Mm. Hmm. I'm thinking perhaps Apple did it in the study with the – well, no, that's a totally different game, isn't it? <laughs> that's Clue. Sorry. Not I'm so impressed they managed to sell uh, a million, over a million phones in the weekend with all the activation <laughs> Apple put out a press happening. release on Monday morning that said, we sold a million phones. And I saw that and I thought, and we could have sold, sold two million if we hadn't screwed everything well, up. That, so that well, was, how, many, how many of those were activated? <laughs> ah, good point. Well, that, that was one thing that I, I felt good about because I was probably 120th or so in line. And I knew that each Apple store was going to get a, a good quantity of phones. So even though it took – Four hours before I got my phone, I knew I'd be able to get one because there weren't that many people in front of me that were able to purchase phones and get out of there. So that was a, the silver lining there. Do we think contrast AT and T stores where I, I talked to a number of people who said that they had this time somewhere between like twenty, thirty, forty phones at the AT and T stores. Do we think that Apple learned any sort of lesson from all of this uh, a year from now when the iPhone four G and iPhone 3.0 software is coming out. Um, are we in for 12 out? Are we in for double the length of waits? Or did 
Apple, of course, not not very forthcoming with explanations or um, apologies or uh, or even shrugs. But uh, what, what do we think Apple took away from this past weekend? I think we've seen some press reports that indicating that Apple people privately mm-hmm. <laughs> are uh, are sad about what happened. I would I would think we won't see it quite like this again. Um, the what I hate to what I hate to think is the way they should have probably done it was roll out the 2.0 software either before or after the 3G came out so that there weren't double authorizations happening because I think that had an effect. When we were planning our coverage, actually, we were working under the assumption that the 2.0 was going to be out like the week before. Yeah, or well, at least they, a few days. They before. could have done it. They could have done it before, or they could have done it after. But to do at the same time, in fact, they could have pushed it out the day before. Because in fact, we know for a fact that it was out the day before. It just wasn't on iTunes because many of us downloaded it. Um, it wasn't the final. It either. was. It wasn't. But you know, th- so again, they could have done it some other day, and they wanted to make a big splash, and they did, but it backfired on them. So I, I would think that they'll come out with a rollout plan. Mobile Me the same way. Mobile Me didn't need to be launched at that moment. It could have been launched – other than the fact that it wasn't ready, it could have been launched a few days earlier and it would have been fine. But they, they flipped the switch all at once and that's generally not a good idea. Well, here's my prediction. Next, the next iPhone revision um, will be accompanied by an announcement that Apple started its own uh, cell service, <laughs> Apple Wireless, and Steve Jobs will personally come to your house with one of those little handheld scanners that they use in the Apple Store, and he will sign you up for the most expensive data plan, and he won't leave until you've activated. Your but imagine phone. the lines for that, because it'll take Steve Jobs like two years to get to your house. Here, yeah, at, but, here but, at IDG, we have this thing where after you've been at IDG for 10 years, you get to have dinner with the chairman and owner of IDG. But the truth is that after 10 years, you get on the list and then there's a little bit of a wait because he's only one man and he has to go all over the world. So but, Steve Jobs will come to your house in 2013 with your phone from 2009. But the, the most pressing question is will he be wearing one of those orange shirts that the iPhone uh, help, or the, or helpers the blue are shirt. wearing? I think he gets a green shirt because but, he's Steve Jobs. But see, the benefit of that is or a black shirt you don't have to wait yeah. in – don't have to wait in line. You get to stay at home. Right. So there's it's a win-win situation. In fact, form a line outside your house so Steve Jobs has to wait in line. Didn't we have that last year you could activate at home? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. True. I forgot about that. Mm. But, well, we should say this is all happening because AT&T doesn't want people buying phones and taking them out of the country now that they're subsidizing them. And that's what was happening before is people were not activating see, the phone. And I wasn't or, wrong to blame them. Or keeping them in the country and activating them on uh, T-Mobile yeah. instead. Although I think far mo- yes, it's a, more Yes, it's common. AT&T's fault, Dan, because they forced Apple <laughs> to make horror decisions. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, there is. I, I, I don't want to apologize for Apple here because I do think that they blew it in terms of their infrastructure. But it, it is true that this happened specifically because of the change in the financial relationship, and that probably had benefits to both Apple and AT and T. Certainly, I think more people are going to want to buy the phone because it's cheaper. But the trade-off is because it's subsidized. That means that you know AT and T wants to make sure they're going to get their money from you. You have to make a commitment up front because. What? At one point, weren't they estimating that a quarter of the iPhones sold in the U.S. were being spirited out of the country and unlocked in, yeah. in over, in, overseas? So, you know, AT&T could never – when AT&T wasn't paying and that money was kind of coming out of Apple's future earnings of the phone, um, that was one thing. But if AT&T is actually paying Apple a couple hundred bucks for every phone, they got to get that money back, which is what has required this whole sorted process. Let's bring it uh, kind of full circle here and talk about – is the iPhone 3G the phone for you? Whether it's from the perspective of uh, of someone like you guys who who had the iPhone, the old iPhone, the old iPhone, the year old, <laughs> the ancient ancient iPhone. iPhone, the iPhone that the ancients talked of in the before time, mm-hmm. or for someone like me who's got that Motorola Razor, and uh, is this new iPhone 3G the thing that finally makes me take the iPhone plunge? So, um, Jason, you. Sum up your review, your uh, your conclusion there. Uh, if you are somebody who's got a current iPhone, I think it's a tougher case to make. I think you need to live in an area with 3G. I think you need to be somebody who has is chafing so much at the speed of your 2G network that you really need to spend the extra money so that you can get that faster cell connection. If you're using Wi-Fi a lot and when you're out there in the in the edge world, you're doing okay – 
you know, I think that's a really tough case to make. If you're somebody who doesn't have an iPhone now, I think it's a much easier case to make. You've waited a year. They've revved the iPhone so that it does support this faster cellular standard that we were all complaining about last year that it didn't support. They've, they've had a time to update the software. It isn't perfect. It's still got some holes, but it's got that whole third-party thing going for it now. Plus, mobile me and exchange really open up the door for a lot of stuff. I, I think it's a much easier case to make if you're somebody who doesn't have an iPhone now. I think that your patience, what I say in the review is your patience has been rewarded in a way because now you are going to get a, a much better phone for having waited a year. And one thing I would add to what Jason said for current iPhone users is if you have an original iPhone that's say a four gigabyte model, that 16 gig, you know, upgrade is very appealing, because especially for people that are using their iPhone as their iPod and their phone, and keep, you know, keeping all their data on there as their one device. That uh, four gigs, you you run out real fast. Even the eight gig version, you can fill it up pretty quickly. So, I know from my point of view, going from an eight to a 16 gigabyte model. Um, plus the 3G stuff and the, the GPS is reason enough to upgrade. Dan, do you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, I was thinking about this on, on the way home today, and uh, it occurred to me that I think what the big deal here is that the 3G iPhone with such a low price point is really going to start to change the way that we all think about cell phones. You know, And I think that I was, it was thinking about, is this going to become so commonplace, the idea that you've got a phone that gets your email and all this? And I think to a certain extent, yeah, you're going to need to see all these people uh, competing with this iPhone and the iPhone and everything that it can do in order to bring in those services to the mobile world. So uh, even if you don't aren't the kind of person who's going to run out today and, and buy an iPhone, chances are within a year or two, you're, it seems like you're going to be using an iPhone or something very, very similar. So now, Phil... You are coming out of your contract in a few months mm-hmm. on Verizon, right? That is correct. And you've got your Motorola Razor that you've had for a year and a half or something like that. Uh, so you tell us. What are you thinking about the iPhone 3G versus what you've got now? I, I'm torn. I don't know what the three coverage is in my area. That was going to be something that I was going to research. I was going to see about maybe buying a, a first-generation iPhone. Ah, interesting. Going that route, I think there will be a market for those first-generation mm-hmm. iPhones. Mm-hmm. I think that, that I, I just happen to have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could get we a should, transaction. We should talk after this. Uh, yes, Phil. yes. Mm-hmm. The, you, you mean the one that I, the MacWorld bought? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> after the one that MacWorld bought that you destroyed. Yes, again. <laughs> All, right. All right. MacWorld is on their, their third phone with John Seth. But yes, we'll 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 talk. Yeah. We'll talk. It's a, it it it's an intri- because the, it's not just an issue of. Uh, of me being under contract with another carrier at this time. I'm also, as you know, notoriously cheap. And so there's the consideration of, uh, of yeah, the iPhone uh, 3G is, is much less expensive than it was last year or, well, much less expensive than the original iPhone was when it debuted. But I'm sure that there are original iPhones that are in good working order that can be had for – for much cheaper, and he's on the dollar, and, and we'll uh, spe- you'll be spending ten dollars less a month on the data plan, too, exactly. I and get a, I believe I'd get unlimited texting then, because you know how much I enjoy texting. <laughs> oh man! Let me. Speaking of being old, um, I discovered that several people that, who who write about the Mac for another website that I won't name, but its initials are Ars Technica. Um, <laughs> use you have the te- the SMS message app in their in their iPhones dock now, Dan. You're ten years younger than I am. Do you have that SMS message app in your dock? I thought you were going to say I was ten years old. Jeez. No, no, no. Um, you just have the mind of a child. I'm twenty, and you are ten. It's a wonderful (laughs) thing. I'm, I'm. I think I I straddle that generation almost perfectly. Like, because I I honestly don't text very much. And when I, I actually had to think about it when they when they asked uh, when I signed up for the 3G, do you want the texting add on? And eventually, I went. Yeah, give it to me because, you know, uh, if I go over 25 messages basically a month, uh, then it'll save me money. Uh, and I don't I don't text that much, not enough that I would ever put it at the dock. But at the same time, I do use it, and it is still – I left it in that top left corner because I feel like it is common enough for me to use it that I want to know where it is all the time. It's in, It's on my second page now. It's in the top left corner, but it's on the second page. And I, I keep it. it I keep much. it on my first page. Besides so. which, if a text comes in, then you can just press reply and it opens it up for you. So, uh, I, anyway, um, that's a little bit off topic, but 
But, you know, we go off topic here. and People love it. They tell us. And they now, tell us. Now they'll send us email saying, no, that's please, too much. Please go stay back on, on topic. topic. Yes. But, um, no, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that you're, you're saying that you uh, – you're not- notoriously cheap. I mean, a lot of people are are you know very careful with what they spend, and it's a lot of money. One of these cell phone plans, I, I the three G data plan is more than I spend for broadband DSL on a monthly basis. Um, so so you know, I, I think that's one of the places where this is going to go in the next few years is for this to become a much more mainstream kind of product, a, a phone that does full broadband internet. The phone companies are going to have to come up with more. Price, uh, you know, lower prices basically for the for for their plans because there's going to be a limit to the number of people that can sell an eighty dollar a month phone bill to. So that that's going to be one of the next steps is creating phones that are cheaper and plans that are cheaper so that more people can actually afford it. We're not there yet, but we're going to get there in the next couple of years because I do think pretty soon we're going to be in a place where if you don't have a little internet connected thing in your pocket, you're, you're going to be you, yeah you're you're going to be um, set upon by wolves mm. in the wilds because. You know, you, you're going to be way behind the times, and you won't have your texting in the dock. So and and ironically, lost. that's actually how we celebrate our 10 year anniversaries at Mac. <laughs> that's right. We, we put you in North Dakota, and there's a pack of wolves around you. Set up by wolves. Gee, maybe I will give the iPhone a second look. <laughs> I see by the position of the sun in the sky that we've uh, just about run out of time here on the on the MacWorld podcast in our free form discussion of the iPhone 3G. That was an unfrozen caveman lawyer reference, wasn't it? No, that was, was a Kirok. Lothar of the Hill people. Lothar of the Hill ah, people. Yes. Look it up Look on, on Wikipedia, Wikipedia. <laughs> children. <laughs> and, um, so I'd like to thank Jason, John, and Dan for uh, taking time out of their busy schedules of using the iPhone 3G to, to talk to us today. And let's throw it back to Chris. Chris? Are you there, Chris? Oh, God. We oh, we lost Chris. Chris. Well, goodbye, everybody <laughs> from the pod cave. And, and mm. we'll tell you what happened to Chris next time. Oh, me? Oh, sorry. I was out standing in line waiting to pick up my iPhone. And I'm only 420th person in line. So if the servers stay up, I should have my iPhone before next St. Swithin's Day with luck. Anyway, that wraps up this edition of the Macro Podcast, sponsored by MYOB, small business accounting and point-of-sale software, helping you to mind your own business smarter. I'd like to thank Phil Michaels, Jason Snell, John Seth, Dan Morin, and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-520-9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, Apple TV, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time.